You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 115. We are talking about the 2014 movie Skeleton Twins. The writer and director is Craig Johnson, who also did True Adolescence in 2009 and Alex Strangelove in 2018. Writing partner is Mark Heyman. It it stars Kristen Wiig as Maggie, Bill Hader as Milo and Luke Wilson, as well as Ty Burrell. The DP for this film is Reed Moreno, Reed Morano, and he is responsible for And So It Goes in 2014, Lemonade in 2016, and Beyonce and also Beyonce's Sandcastle in 2016. So did a little uh, music video there. The synopsis for this film is having both coincidentally cheated death on the same day, estranged twins reunite with the possibility mending their relationship. The tagline for this film is family is a cruel joke. Eh, I, I, I don't, I wonder if they put joke in there because Kristen and Bill are known for comedy, but I didn't feel like there's any joking in this film. Oh my God. Are you serious? I think there are many comedic moments in this film. I think there's snarking, but I don't think there's jokes. Is is what? Well, I guess not like set up joke, set up joke. Right. But there's yeah. just I think, like we have discussed, there in very trying times and very dark times are sometimes the most humorous because I think not only do our bodies I think crave the release of laughter but i think sometimes funny things happen when things are really serious when you know life gets really serious yeah like for example when the opening scene well i just think of that one and then the one after but the opening scene so we see him he's trying to kill himself then we cut to her she's got a handful of pills and her phone rings and her ringtone is the theme to growing pains which is like this poppy, happy, you know, just that dichotomy of here's somebody's got a handful of pills and is committing suicide. And and then we're like pulled out of it with this super cheerful ringtone. I mean, that's just funny. It breaks the tension. Huh. <laughs> and then the scene after that, when she goes to the hospital to pick up Bill Hader, he is reading Marley and me. <laughs> and, and she says, are you? Like, oh, you're reading Marley and Me? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, well, it's sad. And he goes, does the dog die? <laughs> and he makes her think that she ruined the book for him. And then he, she's, he says, I know the dog dies. Everybody knows the dog dies. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like we watched a different film. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I, I, I didn't find that laugh out loud. I just, I mean, it was like, heh. <laughs> It was, like I said, it was kind of snarky and sarcastic, but I didn't think it was, like, funny, I guess. Huh. So, to me, that this was the uh, kind of the issue with this film is people who went into it thinking it's Christian William Bill Hader is going to be hilarious. Right. I, I don't think we'll get that. I don't, I, I don't think it's a comedy. No, no. I think, I mean, I'm going to skip ahead. I think, yeah, it's listed as a comedy. I would... 
I wouldn't list this. It's not like an identity thief comedy that we just talked about, but I think that this is one of the reasons that I think I would love a sibling because sometimes (laughs) there's like, you want to go, can you believe that they did that? Like you kind of need somebody who witnessed the insanity that uh, most families are. And your sibling is kind of the only person, you know, that you can look at and go, can you believe it that they did? And yeah. it, it and it's comedic at times, I guess. It, it is at times. I I still think this is a drama. Well, hundred like me, hundred percent, but well into drama, it, it can't see comedy from where it's standing. But wow. you're right, there are some some humorous lines, and they're not dumb people. I mean, I I like at some point she says something like, "Oh, my whore." He says, "You're a restless housewife." With whore-like tendencies, yeah, see, and, that's and so funny. that that is funny, right? But I wouldn't call this in any way, shape, or form a comedy. Um, oh. th- this is a drama about these two siblings who are estranged. They both try to commit suicide. Not yeah. very funny. They come back to town. He encounters the the teacher that slept with him when he was in high school. Uh-huh. Right? She um is sleeping around and breaks up with her husband. I, I mean, there's not really any any uplifting comedy in this film. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad film, but uh, to me, it just, it feels a hundred percent drama. But I think with all of that swirling drama that is going on around them, the fact that even though they are estranged, that they can have moments like in the dentist's office. And when they go out for Halloween, I, I feel like, like that's, that's where I dream of a sibling being like is, is when you're down in the dumps, dumps and everything seems like it's gone, you know, to shit. I'll just say, <laughs> I'll mark this one explicit. But that's the person who can make you laugh, like who can just be silly with you. And you, you can tap into the because they knew you as a child. And maybe that's and you can kind of that's what I saw with them in the dentist's office and at Halloween. They both kind of like retreated back to their childhood when they used to be silly and when things weren't so heavy and when things weren't so dark. And it's the one person that you can just have that belly giggle laugh. I don't know. Uh, yeah. See, I think I, I uh, hit upon the difference. Yeah. The two characters having a shock. I don't think the audience was, it, it wasn't funny to the audience. Like it was to those two characters. You're right that they, they did have a giggle, but you mentioned Two scenes where we get a ton of exposition, but in particular, the, the at the bar on Halloween, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So to me, those are dramatic exposition scenes, right? And I, I think it's it's important that we get that info as a viewer because it helps explain kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then I forget, but he does something or says something, and she gets mad and leaves the the bar at Halloween. So there's this kind of continual back and forth tension, which you're right, very much captures siblings, especially siblings in a dysfunctional household, because there's a line where Bill Hader's Milo says, if I was married to her, I'd jump off a bridge too. So that to me indicates that their father committed suicide. Right. And one thing I had a hard time with on the writing was as soon as she's back in town or he's back in town, he invites their horrible mother over, but he immediately reacts just as negatively as she does. So I couldn't understand why he would do that if he didn't like having the mother around. Why would he possibly have invited her over? That didn't make any sense to me. I felt like it came from a sense of, 
I wish we had like the beaver cleaver happy family. So I'm going to introduce her. Maybe she's changed. Maybe things are different. Maybe the fact that we both just tried to kill ourselves will shake her out of it. And then as soon as she comes in, they're like, oh no, she hasn't changed at all. She's the same narcissist. So it was believable to me that he wanted Mm -hmm. the happy ending. But unfortunately with the mother and father that they were dealt, they don't get that. Okay, I can buy that. Good explanation, right? I thought it was interesting. Luke Wilson normally plays like a good guy, but here he plays a good dimwit. <laughs> he seems to be, I mean, again... He's just like, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, but they have the scene where he doesn't know the difference between a lobster and a crab, and that makes him seem low yeah, IQ. Yeah, pretty low. But he's like a good guy. He's kind of a Bellamy in that sense that yeah. there's nothing wrong with him necessarily other than he's not right for her. Right. The director said that he, so Bill had been attached to this film for about, cause they're friends, I think, um, for like 10 years and Whoa. they just, they couldn't get financing and couldn't get financing. And then he said, you know, I really would love to offer it to Kristen who coincidentally, cause we were just talking about identity thief. Let me make sure. Yeah. Um, she had just done bridesmaids. And so he's like, I really want to offer it to Kristen. What do you think? And Bill said, yeah, but you need to talk to her because he Bill had been in the position where somebody asks you to do a thing and you and you feel pressured to say yes because of who they are. And he goes, I don't want to put Kristen in that place. So the director um, reached out to her. And so she then reached out to Bill and said, hey, I read this thing and I would love to do it if you'll have me. And Bill's like, of course, I want you to do it. I just wanted somebody else to ask you. Sure. So but what I think the the film benefited from is because of all their years working like in the groundlings and different things. And then on Saturday night live, they both, they both feel very familial and, you know, have a sibling like relationship. And so that carried over. And I think just the silliness and kind of being able to play with one another in a safe way. And it was interesting because the very last scene where Kristen yells some pretty horrible things to him in the backyard. She had to do it more than once. And she was like, I can't do this. I can't say those things to Bill. I I love Bill. I don't want to say that. And so after I think two or three times, she basically had to tell the director, like, you have to have it in the can because I can't keep doing this. It's too hard. And that's how close those two are. I think that's a testament that, you know, she can't look at Bill's face and say these horrible things. It reminds me of the story I heard about how many takes do you need from a voice actor, as many as you can get, right? So she said, okay, this is, you got what you got, <laughs> live with it. This is what we're going to go with. Yeah. Um, That makes sense to me. Like I would have a hard time shouting horrible things at a person that- um, That you care about. That, yeah, that I know what I care about. But it's interesting because I would think like with an actor, it just, you know, you assume- they're able to put that aside. But, you know, if it's your really good friend, maybe that's too hard. Then it's mm-hmm. just a coworker, right? Not that you would hate Sir Anthony Hopkins, but maybe it'd be easier because you don't know him that well. Like, yeah. yeah, we're just acting, Tony. Don't don't worry when I call you these things. Right. But if, if you're that close with Bill, then yeah, I could see how that would be really, really tough. And to if you bring the emotion, right? If you really yeah. get into it, that yeah. could be hard to receive. And earlier in the film, there's a scene that he, that Bill had to 
say some things to Kristen's character. And he said that she had finished her scene and, and she was wrapped for the day. She could have gone home, but, and I've heard this from other, not all actors, but he, or she stayed so that he had someone to play off of, which I've heard that, uh, that many actors appreciate when I want to say, was it Jack Nicholson, which is so against what I think of him. There was somebody who like would always stay around to kind of help the other actor play off of the character. Um, A good example of that is if you ever get a chance to watch audition tape when an actor is playing off of someone and it's not another actor, it's a bored PA. It shows you kind of the opposite (laughs) of that where, you know, you got this, but I love you, Chuck. I love you too, Janet. You know, um, it's just so hard to to act when you don't have something to react to. Right. So, yes, that is um, one of the ways in which they talk about being a giving actor is a person who's willing to stick around and run the lines with you for your close-ups. Right. So were you like comedies and this was not a comedy in your eyes? What were there anything? Was the was there writing that you appreciated? Was there cinematography? Was there... Well, there there were some clever turns of phrase. I, I mentioned uh, the whore-like tendencies. I thought that was cleverly done. Mm-hmm. There's one point where when they're fighting, he says, maybe I should try keeping all my problems away. And she says, maybe next time you should cut deeper. Ooh. I, oh, that. that I remember that. That was a brutal line. I think I, I had an audible reaction to that Yeah, one, I though. think so. That's rough. But there's a really, there's really a poignant turn of phrase where... A character, I wish I made a note of who says, the rest of us are walking around trying to not be disappointed with the way our lives turned out. I think it was in the conversation between Bill Hader and Tyrell. Yeah, it really was. It was so the the dialogue was, I thought, well written. I liked the plotting of it where um, the stuff unfolded. I think at some point we do hear about the specifics of kind of the relationship between Tyrell's character and Bill Hader's character, but. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was implied early on and we got a lot of, we got a lot of exposition from implication in the dialogue. Like I jump off a bridge too. And so I thought it was, uh, it was written well. It was written for the intelligent viewer who is paying attention and looking for things in between the lines. So I thought it was well written and well plotted. Mm -hmm. Well, was there any head trauma? I have no note of head trauma. There, there was some, Drowning and some attempted drowning, uh, some, some, some cutting that may have led to head trauma, but I didn't notice any. Yeah, that was rough. And we got a smoochie when she made out with her uh scuba instructor, smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. Yeah, scuba Steve, as I put it, at 3232. They had kind of a, a little bit of a, I guess you'd call it a racy interaction there. It didn't look like she had a stunt woman for that. That was a little a little extra challenging, boy. Uh, but yeah, there was a smoochie there. And a driving review. I made very few few notes. Of course, Lance and Maggie drive a Subaru Outback. I mean, that makes sense. It looked to me like Ty Burrell's character as the former teacher, now bookstore guy, had a Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a tan Volvo wagon. Again, really on brand. Yep. And then... I, I want to make a note for other sound designers out there. I did catch in the background of some dialogue the throaty roar of a Challenger's engine. So go ahead and sound designers, put one of those in there. If you got a little empty spot, 
just put that in there. Yeah, for you to to catch. Yeah. Shall we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. All right. This film definitely classifies as an a low budget film. The budget was one million dollars. Ooh, wow! Project Greenlight level. Yeah. So the good news is when you do that. If your film does well, you almost six times your initial budget. Great multiple. Right. (laughs) So domestically, it brought in 5.2, which is like 5.9 today. Not that much more because it was only what, uh, 19 years or no, nine years ago, nine years ago. But worldwide, it made 5.8. So nice. Cha-ching. Well done. And you kind of got a little bit of free advertising because Bill and Kristen are big names. Yes. Yes. IMDb gives it a 6.8 out of 10. Critics loved it at 86%. And audience is not as much. And I think part of what, oh, sorry, it's 69%. I think what you were thinking, when we see Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, you expect a certain level of comedy. Right. And this was just a more serious turn for the both of them while it had some comedy. It comes in at just over 90 minutes at an hour 33. It is rated R with... Lots of trigger uh, warnings for Oof, yeah. suicide attempts is rough. It was filmed in Nyack, New York and New York, New York. Like I said, it is listed as a comedy drama romance. It is a Duplass Brothers Productions. And you know how much the Dodge oh, mo- yeah. movie podcast loves uh, those Duplass Brothers. That would be a dream get for us, wouldn't it? Although we, neither one of us would probably be able to talk. We would squee. I love doing this. I love doing this. I love doing this. Um, I, so speaking of those trigger warnings, yeah, I, I just thought that's interesting. Kind of where you land um, your thoughts off the cuff. We didn't talk about this before we went on air of depicting suicide in films, because we have talked in the past about, I understand the importance of telling stories like the accused, mm-hmm. but I just don't know that I would feel comfortable in shooting that scene today. The, uh, and so does that carry forward also to suicide, right? It's an important topic we need to discuss, but to what degree do we show it and or, you know, the details in, in a film? Yeah, I think that's definitely up there with it can be implied so that it can still be part of a narrative without being graphic. I mean, we could have, I mean, like when she picks him up at the hospital and he has bandages around his wrists everybody can do the math but we didn't need to see the water right in the bathtub getting bloody and i think hers is a little tamer when we see a handful of pills in somebody's hand and they're looking right. in the mirror not happily you can surmise that what she's contemplating so i do i mean i even thought about it as far as like show notes or different things I, I I guess for me, I don't, I mean, I mean, compassionately, I feel like I want to protect people who maybe have that history in their lives. And, and I was trying to think it through live. So my, forgive me, my words aren't coming. Part of why we said not that we would ever make this kind of movie really, because it's just not in our wheelhouse. We're, we're yokers and, and <laughs> romance, but We said, if there was ever like a rape scene, I realized it was during the Me Too movement and somebody brought up that it's not just the actor who has to do that, has to be the the victim and the perpetrator, but you've got a hundred people on set that have to watch that. Even if it's simulated, it's still a violent act, which 
many you know violent films you could say the same thing you know right my mom doesn't like bank robbery movies so right and so why depict that if it's upsetting and so i think specifically kids of the 80s the accused is such an a heightened example because it it was i mean it was intense so how far out do you carry that? And I think every filmmaker has to make their own decision because sure. everybody's going to approach it differently. If you have a family member that killed themselves, it's going to be more difficult than somebody who didn't. Somebody's not going to know the gravity unless I don't know. I don't I don't really feel like I'm being very articulate right now. Oh, I think you are. Uh, it's just an interesting question to raise. We saw a movie with Tom Hanks. I think it's a man called Ova is the name. <laughs> yeah, it was Otto was a man uh, called right. Otto, but it's based on a book called Ova. Yeah. And um, those suicide attempts played more humorously. Yes, because he kept getting interrupted. Right. Or, or screwing it up or somehow yeah. it didn't work. But that was, I think, writing a very fine line. Yes. yes. And so when I think of there are people who have ideation about suicide. Yeah. Do you say as a filmmaker, we're like, we won't publish the recipe for thermite because you, right. we don't want to encourage people to go make it. Is that one of those things where we just decide we're not going to put certain parts of this on screen? Cause you mentioned, if you see the bandages, then, and this is a film for smart viewers that yeah. you're going to do the math and you'll know what had happened. I don't know, but I, I, I hesitate to say that as an artist, you're not allowed to no, show that. No, that's why I you said know? it's up to the yeah. each individual filmmaker. Yeah. I think now when A Man Called Otto came out, I do remember on my Facebook feed, my mom book feed, <laughs> I saw a post of a woman who was kind of like, hey, everybody, in case you didn't know, this new Tom Hanks film right. is about suicide. So if you have... And actually, when we were watching it, I thought, oh, if I had somebody who like because one of the times he tries to hang himself and and kind of ironically or or humorously, the um doesn't he tie it to like a, a light fixture or something? And so it just completely comes like it doesn't even right. bear his weight. And so it comes across very comedic and it's not very the duration of time that he is hanging is not very long because of. Yeah, what he tethered it to and so but as he was getting ready as he's putting it around his neck as he steps up on the chair i'm just like oh my gosh if this happened to a family member of mine this would be really yeah yeah really upsetting right now and so my mind immediately went to somebody else who who could be affected by this greater than myself because gratefully i have not experienced that. isn't that interesting i hadn't thought of it before but then there's a point where there's car wreck that's a plot point in that movie and yeah that didn't land with me oh wow yeah as much as as i think i would assume it would have yeah so yeah. It, it is interesting and by the way uh, we're inadvertently talking about that film but i think it's very well done based yes. on we've talked about the subject matter they cover but in this case in this film i think those suicide attempts throughout the film are key to the the plot line yes so they need to be there. But the question comes to, yeah, how do you depict it? Well, hers is much, well, maybe depending on where you stand. I was right. going to say hers is much tamer, right? Than his. His is pretty graphic. 
Yes. And, and I think that is a difference for me because I don't like to see blood. Right. Um, and that's just a personal preference. I'm not making a judgment about any filmmaker. That's just me as a human. So I think that is a little bit of a difference. But I think the, again, if you had any incident with water, maybe it wasn't a suicide attempt. Maybe you just, you know, cramped up when you were surfing and something that could be also terrifying. So as filmmakers or as artists, right, where, where do we draw the line? I just thought it was interesting that this is, a, you mentioned the, the, the phrase trigger warning, and this is definitely a film that it's important, I think, for the viewer to know before they watch it of what what happens in the film, because I think it could be really hard for some viewers. And I feel I'm going off of memory here and, and maybe I'll put them both in the show notes. But I feel like with this one and A Man Called Otto in the trailer, I believe it is made clear that both have themes of suicide so that, that okay. the audience can make an informed decision of can I go see this or not? Because I think if you're somebody who is, you know, either struggles with it yourself or has a family member, then you could be like, oh, that's not the film for me. It's interesting because I'm generally not a big fan of when, you know, you watch a movie on HBO and it has the thing up in the corner and it says, they say some of the words you can't say on television right. or they smoke a cigarette. To me, that's nothing. But I could see this being something I think is is warning worthy. And I will also mention if any dogs are harmed in the film in any way, it shape or form, that needs to be listed. Yep, absolutely. All right. Thank you, everybody, for indulging in our tangent. I will just finish off my little wrap up because I forgot to say that the writers won the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award at the Sundance Film Festival and the top 10 independent film. It was the top 10 independent film winner at the National Board of Review and it also best screen couple, which is kind of odd since they were brother and sister, but Kristen and Bill <laughs> won that at the Women Film Critics Circle Award. So I want to give them their due. They did a great job. I think this is a great movie, but definitely don't go into it thinking you're getting a Saturday Night Live level comedy. Yeah. You are getting dark, dark comedy. It is not Bridesmaids. It is it's not Bridesmaids. All right, everybody, that wraps the month of April up. So get your guesses in. We will announce the winner at the next on the next podcast, which will kick off our month. Dustin Morrow, professor at Portland State University, took over our podcast for the month of May. He picked all the films. He and his partner, who is also a talented producer and artist on her own right, they came over and took over the podcast and he picked all four movies and we talk about them. So May is going to be a fantastic month and never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 